0: Oh, we got a whole herd of people today. Good morning. Who knows what today is? Oh, Sunday is a good answer. I should have been a little more specific. Father's Day. And what do we do on Father's Day? We appreciate our fathers, give them presents. What else did you do? Cards? Ahmed? You give them gifts because they're the ones that help you give birth. Or help give you birth. Well, yeah, they're the ones that let you live. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story about a father. Oh, we're good. I'm not going anywhere anyway. I'm used to be, being kept on a short leash. I want to tell you a story about a father, and the best stories always start once upon a time, a long time ago, in a place far away. There was a man who had two sons, and we're going to call them Billy and Bobby. Billy was the oldest one, and Billy was a good boy. Billy did everything his father asked him to do, everything his mother asked him to do. He made his bed. He helped clean the dishes. He worked out in the garden. And Bobby, he kind of did everything too, but Bobby was always kind of getting into trouble. I'm sure you know somebody kind of like Bobby. He's a good guy, but every once in a while, he kind of gets into trouble. And Billy and Bobby grew up in the same house with the same mom and the same dad. And they both loved, their parents loved them both. And as they got older, though, Bobby got restless he kept getting more and more into trouble and his parents get, kept getting angry with him and they would put him in timeout and take his toys away. That never happens to you guys, does it? No. I wouldn't think so. Yeah. Way worse, huh? Okay. Well, Bobby, Bobby got tired of being disciplined and one day he ran away from home. Yeah. He packed up his piggy bank and his clothes. He took his wee. And off he went. You have a wee too. Great. He had a big suitcase. But he he went away, and he didn't tell his parents where he was, and he went to a far place, and he lived with other people. Now, how do you think his father and his mother felt when that happened? They were pretty sad. Yeah, Yeah, they were upset. They were upset. And they blamed it on each other. Yes. Well, you're probably very right. (laughs) But Bobby was away living in this far land, and, you know, he broke open his piggy bank, and he spent all his money on food. And after a while, he didn't have anything to eat, and he didn't have any new friends, and he was kind of lonesome. He missed his mother and his father. And he realized that maybe running away wasn't a good thing to do. So what do you think he did? He went running right back. Oh, yeah, no, he was pretty smart. He, he, he got himself out of trouble, and Bobby was trying to figure out a way to get himself back home. I think he used his last money to buy a bus ticket. That's how he got home. But anyway, Bobby's dad was standing in the front yard and he looked up the street and he sees Bobby coming. Now how do you think Bobby's dad felt? You think he was really mad? There you go. He wanted to hug him and strangle him at the same time. You know, when you have kids, who needs a Bible? You know? <laughs> and you're right, but his father, you see, his father was so worried about him that he was gone. He didn't know where he was that when his father saw him, he ran up the street and he picked him up and he kissed him and he said, welcome home, welcome home. We missed you and we love you. And you're going to get a spanking after this. And he brought him in the house And they had a big party. Now, do we remember Billy, the other boy, the good boy? How do you think Billy felt? Jealous. Why? Bobby, it looked like Bobby was getting all the love, even though he had been bad. But Billy had been good. They didn't throw a big party for Billy. They threw a party for Bobby. exactly so what what does this tell you about fathers and this is of coffee, she instead of yeah yeah there you go what uh, what billy and bobby's father said to billy was he says you know you are a good son and i love you and i love you every day but Bobby, even though he's not good, sometimes he's still my son. And even when you're not good, I still love you. And that's what this story tells us, that even when you do bad things, and I know you guys never do anything bad, but every once in a while when you get, when you do something wrong and your father gets upset, And your father has to give you a time out. That doesn't mean that your father doesn't love you. He loves you all the time. What? Yeah, yeah, you don't want the Indiana Jones whip on you. But that is the story for today. That no matter what you do, no matter what you do in your life, even when, you, even when you make a mistake, even when you do something wrong, your parents love you. Your father loves you. Your mothers love you. And even when you do something wrong, sometimes they got to work a little extra hard to love you. But don't you ever forget that they always love you. They love you no matter what. what. Thank you very much. That's what we're trying to say. You have to love this church. Uh, You guys have elected me to be the treasurer, and I have no money. (laughs) And you've asked me to speak on Father's Day, and I have no children. But we're going to get through this one way or another. <laughs> From the time that humanity began, we have taught our children and each other by telling stories. The biblical parable about the prodigal son is probably one of the most beloved stories in the Christian tradition. Theologically, this story about God's love for his children, it was about sin and repentance and forgiveness... But if you ignore the theology and just look at the story on a basic level, it has everything. It has the rich father and the good son and the bad son. It has sin, transgression, jealousy, sloth, debauchery, booze, hookers, repentance, forgiveness, love, rejection, and ultimately salvation. Soap operas have stolen this story and these characters for years because on a pure story level it is basically just a story about a family in turmoil. About five years ago my vision of what it's like to be a parent changed drastically when I married Becca. Becca has two grown sons and after we were married one day she kind of surprised me by asking me how I liked being a stepfather. Now, I'd known both of her sons for many years, and I liked them both. They they both have their strengths and their weaknesses and their foibles. The most important part to me was that neither one of them objected to me marrying their mother. But my concept of the story of the prodigal son changed drastically, because I was now the stepfather, to a prodigal son. Not ever having been a parent, I had to think about how I was going to approach this. Up until then, the parable of the prodigal son had just been theology. Since I never had children, my ideas of being a father were only philosophy. But now this story became a part of my life in the real world. I knew that dealing with a prodigal son could be different, could be difficult, and I had no life experience to fall back on. So I decided that when any issue would come up, I would listen to my wife. She had the experience. I would offer any suggestions I could think of, but ultimately I would defer decisions to her. My goal was to support her as best as I could, without adding to the problem or making a bad situation worse. Now, I wasn't always successful in making things better, but I did support her in all her decisions, and I seldom made things worse. And as we became a part of this congregation and this community, I began to learn that we were not alone. Many, many families have a prodigal son, or a daughter, or a niece, or nephew. People in this congregation and in my extended family are dealing with this on a daily basis, and they shared their stories. So I watched Becca, and I listened to her. And I listened to all the other people in the congregation and I learned. The first thing I learned was that no matter what a child may do, a parent never truly stops loving them. Never. The capacity for a parent to forgive is seemingly infinite. No matter what what might have happened in the past, when Becca talks with her sons, I can hear the love in her voice. I see the gleam in her eyes. And I see that and I hear that in the eyes and the voices of other people in this congregation when they talk about their prodigal sons and daughters. No matter what has happened, that love is always there. Now I can begin to understand the joy shown by the prodigal son's father when he found his son coming home. Yes, his son was a jerk. His son had disrespected him. His son had made an awful lot of mistakes. But in the end, he was still his son. He was alive. He was home. And that was more important than anything that had happened in the past. Unless you've been living in a cave, you're probably aware of the trial of Casey Anthony going on in Florida. If ever there was a woman who was not worthy of a parent's love, it seems to be Casey Anthony. And we don't know all the facts, but just based on what we see, it is probable that she killed her own daughter and then tried to hide hide the fact and hide the body. She has lied so many times that it is impossible to know what really happened and what to believe. In the course of her defense, her legal team has accused her father of molesting her as a child. They have accused her brother of having sex with her and fathering the dead child. And that would be incest. And through all of this, one day in court, after testifying against her daughter, Casey Anthony's mother looked across the courtroom. She looked at her daughter and she mouthed the words, I love you. I would not have understood this five years ago. But I kind of understand it now. The prodigal son's father would have understood it too. I've also learned something. Maybe you can only believe this if you are not a biological father. Or a biological parent. But it is this. You cannot let a child's mistakes define you as a parent. Just as I don't believe the biblical teaching that says the sins of the fathers are visited upon the sons, I do not believe that the sins of the children are visited upon the fathers or mothers. As a parent, it is your job to teach your children what they need to know to grow into a responsible adult and to give them the tools so they can go out in the world and build their lives. But what they do with that knowledge and what they build with those tools is their choice, not yours. Some will build mighty mansions, while others will barely cobble together a shack. But the results are the results of their choice. The father of the prodigal son gave both of his children the same tools. They were raised in the same home with the same values by the same parents. Yet one son chose one path, and the other son chose another. Once your children get to a certain age, the choices they make are their own. They own their successes, and they are responsible for their mistakes. You can't take the credit, and you shouldn't take the blame. And it seems that every time somebody makes a big mistake, there's a father or a mother in the background blaming themselves, saying, what did I do wrong? And when you ask that question, you're absolving your children. You're giving them a free ride. You're taking on the blame for something that they did. You're kind of assuming that something you could have done years ago could have prevented something that happened today I don't believe that that's the case was the prodigal son's father to blame because his son acted irresponsibly I hate to think about the guilt that Casey Anthony's parents are carrying around with them these days was it their fault that their child did these things again I don't think so I've also learned that parents have an almost universal instinct to protect their children and make their path through life as smooth as possible. We don't want our children to struggle. We don't want them to make mistakes. But sometimes, that's how they learn. Here's something you've heard every child say, I can, I can almost guarantee it. I can do it myself. I can do it myself. Does it matter if it's a three-year-old telling you that they can tie their own shoes? Does it matter if it's a five-year-old saying, I can ride that bicycle without the training wheels? Or a ten-year-old telling you, yes, they can jump off the three-meter board at the swimming pool without killing themselves? Or your 15-year-old daughter saying, yes, I can go to that rock concert and be safe with my friends without adult supervision? Maybe they can Maybe they can't, but they want to try. It's in a child's nature to grow, to learn. We all know that we learn more from our mistakes than we do from our successes. Children need the chance to struggle and try things on their own. If they make a mistake, they need to learn how to deal with that and take responsibility for the results. They need to go back and learn how to fix their mistakes. Life is going to knock them down every now and then. You won't always be there to protect them. Give them the chance to struggle. Give them the chance to learn. There's one other character in the parable of the prodigal son that I can identify with. And uh, I can identify with the older son. And the responses from the children here were, were absolutely spot on perfect. Uh, The one child said the older child was jealous. And that is exactly right. Uh, In the parable, the older son is the good son. Uh, That was me. His younger brother was nothing but trouble. He caused his parents many sleepless nights. Yet when he comes home, instead of his parents being upset with him, they welcome him with open arms and with gifts. And it was almost as if he were being rewarded for being a jerk. While the good son, that was me, pretty much got ignored on a day to day basis. I had three younger brothers and one of them just always seemed to be in trouble. My mother seemed to be constantly dealing with the aftermath of one of his various adventures Easily, she spent more time in parent-teacher conferences for him than she did for the other three of us put together. As he got older, the troubles became more serious. He became violent. And after one incident where he started a riot in the cafeteria of his school, he was enlisted in the Navy in an effort to avoid jail. He didn't volunteer to go in the Navy. He had a choice. It was either jail or Navy. We all had high hopes that the Navy would give him some maturity and straighten him out. But even they couldn't handle him. And after throwing him in the brig for various infractions numerous times, they figured it was just easier to give him a general discharge than to deal with him. They cut him loose. He did settle down after a while. He got married had a child my mother would go and visit him a couple of times a year and she would usually come home earlier than she had planned crying over the way he had treated her and was treating his wife I heard years later that during one visit he had actually hit her that was a fact that she wisely hid from me And through it all to the day she died, she loved him and continued, in many cases, to shower him with affection and attention that she had never done with me or my brothers. And I asked her about this one day. And she told me that while she loved all of us, that we were all different. And we had to be loved in different ways. I was the mature one. She gave me more responsibility and more freedom at an earlier age than any of my brothers. One brother was more introspective and timid. And he needed a lot more mothering than the rest of us. And one son pretty much was happiest when you just left him alone. And she gave him that too. But the prodigal son amongst us needed more attention. She believed that his acting out and his violence was his way of calling for help and attention. Attention that none of us were getting from our father. So she did her best to try to fill the void. The prodigal son's father knew this too. He gave more attention to his younger son because that son needed more attention. He didn't love him any more or less. He just loved him differently. You can love your children equally, but you can do it differently if you have to. I'm going to close today with a few wishes for the fathers in this congregation. But mothers, feel free to take these wishes for your own too. I wish that you'd never lose your ability to love and forgive your children. No matter what, they are a part of you and you are a part of them. Nothing will ever change that. Nothing they do. Nothing you do. I wish you the strength and the courage to let your children do it themselves. Don't shield your children from all the struggles in life. Let them work through it. And remember... That when you are dealing with your own prodigal son or daughter, your other children and other members of your family need your attention too. And most of all, I'm going to give you one Father's Day wish for me that doesn't have anything to do with the parable of the prodigal son. But it's from my own experience, not as a father, but as a son. Don't let the responsibilities of being a parent overwhelm your ability to have fun as a father. Don't let the responsibilities of being a parent overwhelm your abilities to have fun as a father or a mother. Yes, you have to keep a roof over the head. You have to keep your kids in clothes. You have to keep food on the table. You have responsibilities. You have a job. You have to do all those things. But opportunities to enjoy your children as they grow are not infinite. Every opportunity passed is an opportunity lost. You don't get a do-over. Years from now, the memory of a play or a concert or a soccer game, or a marching band, or a dance recital, those memories are going to last with you a lot longer than the memory of how you worked late that night. One's going to matter to you. The other memory is not going to matter to you at all. Enjoy your children. And while you teach them responsibility, let them include you in all the parts of their life that are fun. Years from now, when someone asks one of your children, what was your father like? I hope that somewhere in their description they say, my dad was a lot of fun. Thank you, and happy Father's Day.